Hello everyone, welcome to Mender Teacups. This is Molly and Helen and we are sitting here in our separate homes. It's the 2nd of February 2021. So UK, we are still in lockdown, but we have got our cups of tea and we are warm and toasty in our own homes. So Helen, would you like to tell us uh, what we're going to be chatting about today? Yeah, sure. In our last episode, we spoke a bit about English, teaching English to our children. And we kept thinking about other things that might have said, and it was already long enough. <laughs> so we're going to revisit the topic today, uh, specifically looking at English with our little ones, starting the journey with reading and writing. So Molly, what, what do you remember about those young days? Are, are all of yours reading and writing fluently now, or have you still got one on the process? Yeah, I have still got one in the process. It has been quite a journey with two dyslexic kids. So our, our, our younger dyslexic child is um, still learning. So we're very much still going through phonics with her, whereas the oldest one is um, at university. So <laughs> it's been quite a variety. So how about you? Where are, where are you at with your, well, I know, but tell, tell, let, tell everybody else where you are with your, with your learning journey when it comes to feeding. Yeah, so um, my three are sort of older. My youngest is 13. Um, all three of them are reading. They took to reading at various speeds and happinesses. So each one was slightly different. I remember saying to a friend when, when I sort of set off on the journey with my firstborn, yes, yes, I believe. I totally agree with everybody, what people say in home ed circles about letting the child learn to read at their pace. When they're ready, I just wish you'd be ready at four and a half like everybody else so <laughs> there were those moments when you're sticking to your guns and you know in your heart of hearts that it's better to wait until your child's ready but you just look around and start thinking oh dear am I getting left behind or is my child getting left behind or will they ever catch up will they ever learn to read but I'm glad to say we did get there and it was fine and actually he wasn't that much later than other people either so yes all three of mine are are keen readers and two of them are keen writers as well so that's another part, oh. part of the story, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I, I agree with you about when uh, when they first learn to read it. It's It can be a bit like being potty trained and learning to walk and everything. It's one of those big things, isn't it? You know, when is my child going to read? And, and they do all learn at different times, but that can be hard, particularly, I think, on a first child. And I think particularly if you're home educating as well and everybody's looking and, you know, if they're in the schooling system, they'd be learning letters at four or even pre that at preschool and it does sometimes take kind of nerves of steel I think just to hold on and say no you know my child will learn when they're good and ready and I've certainly had to test that really a lot with our fourth child who is really quite badly dyslexic um, and it's it's taking a very long time but I I know I heard uh, who's is it Andrew Puddawa is that yeah. how you say his name that's right. And I think it was him saying either one of his children or somebody that he knew um, and the child was very dyslexic and didn't learn to read until they were 12. He might have been quoting somebody else, but that that particular child was of all the of all the siblings was actually the most eloquent and the most verbally literate because um, that child hadn't, in a sense, read any dumbed down books, had only listened to audibles and had stories read. And so that child, you know, had had amazing vocabulary. And that's really helped me to hang on. So for parents who are who, who maybe are at the beginning of the journey and thinking, gosh, you know, my child really should be learning <laughs> and my child doesn't seem to be quite getting it. Really and truly just keep reading to them 
and uh, it will all come out in the wash. Yeah, it does take, like you say, it does take hanging on in there a little bit. But I, I really could see eventually that if I'd pushed my oldest to read when he quote unquote should, it, he was a fairly compliant personality. And I think he would have tried very hard to do that. And I think it would have really been a hard graft and I don't think he would have enjoyed the the process and I don't think he would have enjoyed the outcome whereas when it did click he was off and he was really enjoying his reading so I'm glad we were able to just wait for that click <laughs> as it were because mm. it made reading so much more enjoyable in the long in the long run yeah no well well done well done you for holding on I think that's <laughs> obviously absolutely right we, we're going to I'll talk through just a few practical things um, and as always we'd love to hear you know it's quite a long time ago from us and um, and there are so many ways that we can enjoy learning letters and enjoy those early years of reading so please do um, send comments and put things in Instagram and Facebook a bit of things that you do and then we can all share them um, but before we do that I just found this quote in um, one of Charlotte Mason's books I think it's her her very first one book number one and she's writes about Susanna Wesley now Susanna Wesley was is one of my heroes she is a mother of John and Charles Wesley and she had zillions of children like they did in those days and probably and I know she didn't have much money and a very small house and she used to tell her children when she wanted a bit of peace and quiet she'd have I think she had a chair she'd sit on and she'd put her pinny her apron over her head and everybody knew that when mum had her apron over her head that she was praying they had to be quiet so <laughs> I haven't tried that yet but maybe I should but anyway so this is so Charlotte Mason is quoting from um, Mrs Wesley and this is how Mrs Wesley taught her all her children just to, to read and I just thought it was hilarious okay so the way of teaching was this the day before a child began to learn the house was set in order, everyone's work appointed them, and a, and a charge given that no one should come into the room from nine until twelve, or from two until five, which were our school hours. One day was allowed the child wherein to learn his letters. And that was it. And they all did, apart from, I think, little, little Molly and little Nancy, who took a little bit longer. <laughs> well done, Mrs Wesley. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think I know. I didn't follow that. So <laughs> um, I quite like the bit about the, the house being set in order. Wouldn't that be lovely to have your house in order? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, if my child had to wait for my house to be set in order before I taught them to read, <laughs> they would never be reading. <laughs> it would never happen. <laughs> yes. And can you imagine children not interrupting for three hours at a time? They were very well, very well something rather weren't they brought up disciplined oh, yes <laughs> very interesting isn't it yes yeah so anyway Helen given the fact that neither of us actually did it Mrs Wesley's way but good for her um have you got some kind of tips tips and tricks uh that you could share uh with that you started off on the reading journey with your young children yeah, we were given some um, help with learning to read from the curriculum that I've used since I started home editing, which is the Sunlight curriculum. So they'd, they'd got a set of books to help the learning process. And those were kind of based along phonics ideas. So you learn what letters sound like and then you gradually increase that. Sometimes those were a little bit dull and we added a little bit of extra things that we found. Um, and basically we just sort of took that through looking having a go short and sharp I think that was really key you know each lesson which you did you did one a day and each lesson was quite short there wasn't too much in it you didn't have to have that huge intense pressure 
so that was mainly how how we did it and and what's been interesting over the years that I've seen is that I think at the time they tied learning to write with learning to read um, which I tried to do and I found it a bit frustrating it wasn't working and over the years I've discovered there's more ideas saying actually children probably are le- are ready to do one at a different time to being able to do the other so not to it kind of works so nicely doesn't it if you learn how to read the word mum and then you learn how to write the word mum and you've got the whole thing tied up in one piece um, but actually if that doesn't come together in in the developmental stage then there's no point pushing it and obviously different children will be different with that so I think I've learned that gradually and not try to make that happen when it wasn't ready to in terms of writing obviously there's the difference isn't there between the gross motor ability and the fine motor ability I think some of the things that I've seen now which I would would definitely take on board if I was doing it again is to really go for like writing big at first making big shapes using a whiteboard and writing one whole one whole letter to take the whole whiteboard or writing in the sand that sort of thing so you can use your whole body to make letters before you have to sort of really get to grips with that pencil control or pen control yeah so I suppose ours was based on a phonics approach there's also people who use a look and say approach and probably quite a lot of us do something in between really don't we (laughs) how about Mm. you what sort of approaches presumably you've had different approaches with with, um, support for the teaching your dyslexic children yes certainly definitely um I guess starting sort of like you were saying with um with the fine motor grip um so we started almost like pre pre writing skills. So things like I'm just trying to remember. I know pegging is really good. Um, obviously you can ha- get children to help you peg clothes out on the laundry line. But actually I would do little. I, they, they each had a, a, a tin of pegs, um, and then they could just peg for the girls. Particularly they could peg dolls' clothes and things out. They were yeah. tripping over in the hallway. <laughs> you know these washing lines. And there are other things as well. And I just can't remember because it was quite a long time ago. Things like, um, that's right, if you use like screwdrivers and that kind of thing, sort of pushing in screws and that, that sort of motor grip. Um, and then obviously plasticine, Play-Doh, anything like that, that kind of just strengthens fingers. So all those are, are good. When it comes to pencils, you can get triangular pencils. If your child is finding it a bit trickier or if you just want to start with something easy, you can get triangular pencils or you can also get pencil grips, kind of plasticky things that you just put on over the pencil. Um, and that helps. That just helps a child grip. And then I guess as they get a bit older, just find a, a pen or pencil that they that they like using that feels comfortable. Yeah, like you, we did kind of lots of big stuff. So we had pavings outside our house. We've got tarmac now. So would go outside with chalk and just do big letters outside um, with chalk and um, and with sand as well. Um, you can bring a sand tray into the house um, or else outside in the sand pit um, and use fingers and just do the letters like that. So yeah, all sorts of all sorts of fun ways to do to do letters initially. We were thinking about um, pencil grips and so on. And when my youngest was a little bit older, she developed um, a quite painful joints. So we had to rethink for her at that time with making writing more comfortable because it was just coming at the time when she was wanting to write more and more. She was getting quite into writing stories by that age. And so one of the things I've really been, she had pencil grips to help her, but also um, she's now got a sloped desk that you can, you can buy a, a slope to put on your table to make it sloped. And that helps the angle. It just some children help find it much easier to have their, their page on a, on a slightly raised slope. 
Um, and the other thing as well is looking at your chair and whether they need a cushion under them to bring them to the right, you know, all those sorts of things, which for some children, you know, it never bothers them at all. They can write school anywhere, you know, they can sprawl out in front of the um, the fire or, or whatever, right on their lap in a tiny little hole. And then other children just need that help to be really comfortable so that they're not being distracted from writing by all the weird things that their bodies are telling them about how they're feeling uncomfortable. Brilliant. I was just going to, to sort of say some of those things. I'm looking, in fact, I want to get one of those um, sloped things. They're called architects boards or something. Um, and I'm sure they sell them in the works, but everything's shut at the moment. So, <laughs> but I think that would help our youngest daughter having it at, at that um, level. Um, and like you say, just a chair that's that's comfortable, whether it's a twizzly one or if it's a straight one. I've actually put some um, rubber bands at the bottom of the chair so that she can fiddle with her feet while she writes so she's not thinking what do I do with my feet um, and making sure the lighting's right and just so like you say it's just making sort they're comfortable so that so that they can concentrate on something which actually otherwise which they find kind of you know might not come so easily to them so I think that's quite a big thing with some kids and then and then I suppose with we yes, we used phonics, but we also then used with the dyslexic kids, a um, dyslexia, Nessie dyslexia program. And we did a lot of games. We do a lot of games. So which you can do with any child. Um, so I I made um, well, just on big sheets of sort of A4 sheets of paper and just written out phonic sounds, so, you know, the ooh sound and the A sound and the sh and the th and all the rest of it. And I just put them on the floor and then I shout out whatever the um the sound is and the child jumps onto that sound and we have all sorts of games you can do it with telling the time as well um, and with numbers you can do all sorts of things so actually games which use their whole bodies again for some kids will well some kids will just simply my oldest daughter um, she just I'm sure almost just taught herself to read I kind of did some phonics with her and we'd do some early readers and she just kind of taught herself really I mean she's an absolute dream um, whereas certainly with the two dyslexic ones and actually my older son as well um, you know they just love to be able to jump and move and and so trying to integrate reading into that kind of holistic learning style that actually they they enjoy learning yeah I know that um I think one of my friend of mine was quite keen and interested in the fact that you can do uh, you can use toy cars her, her little boy was really into toy cars so we we, we found an idea where you stick um, a letter onto each of your toy cars and you give them a cardboard you know a piece of cardboard and you mark out parking spaces and you put different letters in each of the parking space so then the the right car has to park in the right space um, and that all is part of letter recognition and just noticing that the shapes are the same or different and all that part of that is is learning which way up you know and the common the difference between p and b and d and q isn't it if you if you're a fluent reader you 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 don't worry about those but of course someone explained it to me that if I see a chair I know it's a chair even if it's upside down it's still a chair and if it's backwards it's still a chair and that's the problem that people who get muddled up between b and d and p and q have that to them it's the same shape it's just upside down or backwards why isn't it the same letter anymore um so that's a big thing to overcome and that that was a real light bulb moment when I understood that when and I thought yeah that's very true a chair is a chair upside down or backwards it's still a chair isn't it so um that really helped me understand that problem that some children um including one of mine have with that kind of recognition but this game with the cars and moving them into the car parking spaces and if your if your child's not particularly into cars I'm sure you can find other 
other things to do that you can have you know um, if you've got toy food and you've got a little baking tray you could have toy foods labeled with the letters and put them in the right because it's all about noticing shapes noticing the detail you know an a has a circle with a stick and there's the, there's another circle with a stick they match and it's just starting to get that into your head to help see where those letter shapes come yeah absolutely and and kind of observations even again pre-learning what you said made me remember actually um things like the little um book spot the difference and things like that because it's just helping them to be able to to look at shapes and see well what's there and what isn't there so all those sort of all those sorts of games pre-learning games are just helping also the, those skills to to be in place I found another quote also um, from Charlotte Mason, which I'm not sure. Um, this is this is this is um, Charlie herself, Charlotte herself saying this, and I'm not sure whether we would agree with this or not. I think I <laughs> might not. <laughs> so she says, "Let the child alone, and he will learn the alphabet for himself." But few mothers can resist the pleasure of teaching it. <laughs> and I have to say, I just thought. Well, actually, I, I really could have resisted this pleasure, actually. <laughs> it's been particularly with, with my, you know, very dyslexic, well, they're both quite dyslexic. It's really hard work, actually. And I, so I just would encourage for any mums, it's one, just wonderful if your child just learns to read and then just go for it. That's just an absolutely wonderful blessing. And I have had one like that, um, which is just fantastic. And actually, my oldest son, you know, he did learn to read when it was the time and actually he reads completely fine so that's a real blessing too but for for a mum if your child is struggling you're not firstly you're not alone and it is really hard work and I just think you do need the patience of a saint and you need to just let them do it in their own time and you need to have nerves of steel that actually they will do it in in their time and do you know we've done some on dyslexia but um, it can be all sorts of manner of things. It might not be dyslexia, but if it's if it seems to be happening for other families and other children, you know, and not yours, don't stress initially and don't feel too bad initially because some kids just do take longer than others. Yeah, but with the support and the fact that you are there with them, you've got that one on one. Obviously, that feels intense for the parent and the child at times. And sometimes you just need to step away from that. But on the other hand, it does mean that they've got that loving care and tension and they will get there. And some even children who are very dyslexic will will make their way in the world, won't they? Definitely. One of the things I was thinking about teaching children to, you know, about English, to about reading and writing and being ready to put down ideas is to make sure you're in a language rich environment. So having the books to read to them before they're reading themselves or one of the other things I did, I remember doing with one of the children when they were starting to read, but it was quite a big effort, was that we would read a, a sentence each. So we were reading a book together and one the child would, would read a bit and then I would read a bit. And that gave them the continuity of the story without having all that huge effort to get the story out by, by themselves. Lots and lots of books, the radio on, reading all sorts of different things like reading the news and discussing the news and discussing what's happening and going on in the family. So there's words around them and not being afraid that um, some books are a bit too old because I think you can read aloud to a child and they they can get, gain a lot from a book that's maybe a little bit above the level they're personally reading at or even quite a lot above the level Obviously, with a, an age spread, I've got seven years between my oldest and youngest. So I was reading aloud to the oldest. The youngest was quite little. But all those words that she was hearing were all part of her developing language and developing words. 
Mm, that's great. So I, I really hope that that's given everybody some encouragement wherever you at you are at with the kind of the early years of reading. And I think we might do something, a further one, possibly about language with a slightly older children. So, um, but please do let us know your ideas because there are so many ideas and it's great to be able to share and learn from each other. We hope you have a good week and we'll look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.